All right, welcome everyone to an edition of the Buffalo Beat here. And for the first time in 2019, we come to you as a post-game podcast where the Bills have lost because, of course, they won all four of their preseason games. They won their first three regular season games, but no longer are the Bills um, amongst the ranks of the undefeated. They fall to the New England Patriots by a score of 16-10 in a game that, you know what? It was there for the taking. I mean, their, their, their defense did everything they possibly could have to allow this Bills offense to come away with a win, and yet they didn't. And we're going to get into a lot of that, including Josh Allen and uh, Brian Dable and his specific game plan. And and certainly we'll get into the performance of the defense as well. But in just, just in a broad sense, Matthew Fairburn, this seems like a massive missed opportunity for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's reason to feel pretty good about what happened on the field, but it felt like at the end there was just a world of difference between these two teams in some ways. On the field, there they they had everything they needed to win the game. Defensively, they were dominant. And this is now a big enough sample size to say that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have Tom Brady's number a bit. Mm -hmm. And so you're in a position where I think most of us thought if they're going to win this game, the defense has to hold New England under 20 points. They did that. In fact, the only one of the touchdowns uh, that New England scored was uh, on a blocked punt. So really the defense more than held up its end of the bargain. It was the offense that let them down. And I think the concerning part and why I say that it felt like there was a, a gap in some areas of these two teams is that the quarterback, Josh Allen, showed, you know, we talked about the mental and emotional maturity it would take to handle this test. Mm-hmm. I thought he showed none of that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mentally, he was, I say mental and emotional because mentally, he was going to be confused at some point by what Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense were throwing at him. I think that was inevitable. But you need to be able to handle that emotionally and not try to get too much on one play. And it seemed like he was doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. He took four sacks. All three of them were on third down. One pushed them out of field goal range. One pushed them almost out of field goal range and Hauschka made the kick. One pushed them back to the edge of Hauschka's field goal range, like 49, and he missed the kick. Those are three inexcusable sacks to take. He took a sack before the blocked punt as well on third down. That's not to mention his three interceptions. And, you know, we'll get into the hit that knocked him out of the game and the the implications of that. But before he left the game, he was playing like a rookie. And... Bill Belichick has a tendency to make quarterbacks look that way, but I don't think it's an excuse. He's seen a Bill Belichick defense. He's playing at home, uh, you know, got a a new cast of weapons around him. You know, it's hard to sit there and, and, you know, brush it off as just, uh, oh, he's up against the Patriots because he didn't need to be 
that good to win this game. Mm-mm. And the offense couldn't even muster a below average game. What was most concerning was, I mean, as you pointed out, this was a a defense that was going to come in to try and to confuse Josh Allen, and and they did so. Um, but to the degree in which they did was, quite frankly, very concerning. Now, this, to the Patriots' credit, they are an outstanding group. They... Uh, they provide pressure off the edge. They they know when to dial up blitzes. They have a really good secondary. Um, even without uh, Hightower today, their their linebackers were still playing well with Van Noy and company. But um, I think the most concerning part was the fact that the Patriots were daring Josh Allen to beat them. And all they were doing early on anyway in the first half, which is where Allen really struggled the most, they were blitzing him to oblivion basically and in doing so they triggered Allen into what I like to call Wyoming Josh this is the exact guy that we saw throughout several different instances in his time at at Wyoming where he felt like he needed to do way too much get everything back and and try to make a, a hero's play whenever whenever he touched the ball, rather than just staying within the offense. I mean, Allen has done a pretty good job of getting that out of his system. And this is the first time we have seen it come back in droves since uh since he came back from his injury um at the at the end of last season. But Wyoming Josh was was here to stay on Sunday, and it was not at all pretty. I mean, the offensive line, they did they did what they could against the Blitz, but it's also on Josh Allen to make better decisions, to make quicker decisions. Um, when he spun out of a out of a tackle or two, or when he hung onto the ball for what seemed like six, seven, eight seconds at times. I mean, that's on him to to figure out, okay, what is the best result for my team right now. And usually it's never throwing the ball straight up in the air off your back foot and hoping that your receiver comes down with it. It, Those are just facts. It's the NFL. Teams are going to pick you off when you try to do that left and right. And they did. The Patriots did that three separate times. So for Allen to go back to Wyoming Josh, gosh, is that a concern? I mean... You need and complicating it even further is now the fact that he's in concussion protocol. So so now, despite you wanting to go back and correct all these things with him, who's to say you're going to have that chance early on in the week? Because if he's in concussion protocol, no way of telling if he can be in meetings, if he's going to pass the initial part of the protocol to where he can advance into these things. So it's a lot of a wait and see rather than a get to work let's let's figure it out but it's complicated and then after that if if he's unable to do any of that stuff and let's say he's unable to play against Tennessee then you have the bye week where a lot of these guys go away a lot of the coaches go away they they just they they just try and refresh themselves so i don't know this is of all the games this was a concern and underscoring all of it 
is that now there's a blueprint on Josh Allen. Like this, this is it. This is his worst performance since Green Bay last year. And it, they rival one another. The only thing that holds me from saying that this wasn't worse than the than the Green Bay game was because in the first drive of the second half, Allen start seemed like he settled in a little bit. And it led to, oh, lo and behold, a touchdown drive. But every other time, there was just it was just kind of hopeless. And that's kind of the feeling that permeated throughout Lambeau Field last year. I mean, every time they touched the ball, you, d- you didn't feel like at w- any point they were about to score a point. It-, it just seemed like it was fruitless. And that's what it seemed like mostly today, except for that one drive. So that's why I give that one the slight edge. But this is a blueprint now. Go after Josh Allen, prove that he can beat you deep. And if he can't, then he's probably going to chuck it up and-, and make a mistake. That's basically what the Patriots have put out there for the rest of the NFL. And now it's on Allen and Dable and McDermott to come together to figure out a way to, to one-up that, to counter that. And that's that's all about a young player in the league at any position, specifically at quarterback, too. Yeah, as we said before this game, I don't think you know one game was going to make or break them and not being able to beat the Patriots would... You know, the idea of a measuring stick and this or that, you know, it's not to hit the panic button because most defenses won't be coached by Bill Belichick. Most won't be as talented as the Patriots. But like you said, there is a blueprint. Next week they go to Tennessee. Mike Vrabel spent many years in New England. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to say it's going to be the exact same defense or anything, but a guy who... Uh, can figure out what the Patriots were doing. And they blitzed him. It seemed that that the plan was, and in talking to some guys in the Patriots locker room who don't always divulge much detail, but Deron Harmon was somewhat open about what they were doing. The blitzing was part of it because they thought once you get him off of his spot and he's scrambling, that's where it's you can make your money against him mm-hmm. because that's when he makes pretty much all of his stupid throws are when he's scrambling. Now, occasionally he'll make a crazy play on the run. And I tend to think the bad plays outweigh the good ones when you can flush them out of the pocket um, and he throws on the run. But they blitzed him to get him off his spot and then they were disguising coverages. They were throwing the same thing at him with three or four different looks and just confusing him. And... That's the way he looked to me throughout most of the time that he was in there is confused. He was, you know, the blitz was one aspect of it. But to me, on the sacks, he was standing back there and didn't know what to do. And, you know, certainly the the blitz didn't hurt, but he just, he couldn't figure out what he was looking at. He was holding on to the ball too long. And there were a few where he could have gotten rid of it and didn't. And like I said, the 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 aspect of those sacks that's the the most concerning part is the part of the field they happened in. You know, it could have cost them three field goals. It cost them two field goals, you could argue. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hauschka needs to make that one. I don't know. It's a tough field goal. It's an easier field goal if Josh Allen doesn't take the sack. So it cost them, what, at least, let's say it cost them six points. Mm-hmm. You know, and and Hauschka made one of the field goals. 
but six points. They lost by six points. Those are just simple plays that forget about interceptions, anything else, because the Patriots scored a touchdown on one of his interceptions. Forget about that. Simple plays that NFL quarterbacks just need to have basic understanding of where you can and can't take a sack. And he did it three times in this game. Mm -hmm. That's just, it's rookie stuff at best. And I don't know, you know, like you said, I don't know how they really fix it. And I don't even know if it has anything to do with Josh Allen being in concussion protocol or any of that, because to me, that's basic stuff. I don't care what defense you're looking at. You walk up to the line on third down and you're in field goal range. You got to be thinking at the very least, I cannot take a sack. And yet he did it time and time again, not to mention the the interceptions that were just mind blowing. Um, and, you know, to be fair, and, you know, Tom Brady looked like Josh Allen a lot today. Yeah, he did. Um, and that says a lot about the Bills defense. But when focusing on on the Bills quarterback here, it's just it's troubling to see the simple mistakes undo what could be a pretty decent offense. And I don't know how you, you iron that out. You know, I don't know how you coach that out of them because for, you know, like last week, what did he say after the game? It won't happen again. Mm -hmm. I've learned from it. I've moved on. It's like, no, you haven't. (laughs) That's not how it works. You know, just, you know, you weren't supposed to do that. It's not like you thought, oh, I think this is a good idea. Oh, apparently they intercept that pass. I guess I shouldn't do that. You know, you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. But there's something instinctually that's just a little bit off. And he keeps doing it over and over again. He keeps fumbling like crazy. He's not protecting the football at all. He's now got, for his career, 18 interceptions and 13 fumbles. Not all the fumbles were turnovers, but as we know, that's a 50-50 proposition at best. You know, he gets lucky sometimes and the ball doesn't bounce their way others. But letting the ball hit the ground 13 times is... A lot. Five of those are this year, correct? Mm-hmm. Five. Eight and, were last year in the 14 games. Five and four games this year. I mean, man. And I don't think teams really care about him necessarily as a runner. We know we, we now have four games. And he's hurt some teams with runs here and there. But he's not Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson in that way. He's more of a, if things break down, he can make yards, make people miss, maybe run people over time and again. But you're not necessarily saying, you know, I don't think we're going to see an 80-yard touchdown run from from Josh Allen anytime soon. And teams seem to have figured out how to slow that part of his game down a little bit. I don't know. He's got a lot to figure out because I don't want to say the clock is ticking, but he's, you know, now – a quarter of the way through his second season and some of the same issues keep popping up. Yeah. And, and you don't, I, I just think you don't want to see that um, as you're developing a young quarterback. No, you don't. Um, I, I do want to just echo the fact that this is a really good Patriots defense, probably the best in the league, but even, even with that, there are rudimentary errors that he is making that he should not be making. 
And well, it's the mistakes, right? Yeah, I mean, that, you, that's that's exactly. If he it. had the exact same line without the sacks that were self-inflicted and the interceptions which were self-inflicted, then we're sitting here saying, "Man, they put the clamps on him." Mm-hmm. Because that's the difference between what he and Tom Brady did, I think. Tom Brady had a really bad interception uh, to Micah Hyde. Like, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And he he took a sack or two, you know, where uh, he shouldn't have. Actually, no, he wasn't sacked. Um, I'm thinking of a different play where he should have thrown the ball away. He, he wasn't perfect. He was really bad. In fact, yeah. I think he was about as bad as he's ever been in a win. 3.8 yards per attempt, I think, was his lowest ever in a win. Difference is... One interception, which was really bad, cost them points. But but it was also on a, an outstanding play by Micah Hyde. Absolutely. Don't, definitely don't want to take anything away from Micah Hyde. It was not a yeah. smart throw, but it was... Brady's interception is not equal to Josh Allen's, any of Josh Allen's three interceptions. And he did not fumble the ball. Yeah. So you look at the sacks Josh Allen took. And the interceptions. And, of course, people are going to say, oh, you're comparing him to the greatest quarterback of all time. Sure, but that's the difference between the greatest quarterback of all time having his worst ever game and finding a way to win is that he doesn't turn the ball over. Right. And, you know, I don't think Tom Brady won this game for them at all. Uh, That's not really what I'm saying. But he at least did not lose it for Mm -hmm. his team. And Josh Allen, in a few ways, did. Um, You know, the blocked punt ended up being kind of the, the difference in the game. But... You know, they the Patriots offense might not score a touchdown in this game if not for a Josh Allen interception that set them up at midfield. Truth. The, the Patriots had seven three and outs in this game. Do you want to know the last time the Patriots had seven three and outs in a game? Uh, 2007. It's been longer than that. No way. Wow. 2003 against the Dolphins. Only five times and that in that was, time span did they have six. And that was early into Brady's career in which he was still having and some multiple game interception too. games. They won that game, too, because they had a great defense. Mm. Uh, but it's so six plus, I think, has happened seven times. And the Patriots have won uh, a few of those games. But point being, like the defense played as good as you can play against Tom Brady. And did things that nobody's ever done to Tom Brady and still didn't win the game. And I mean, people will talk about that hit. I think Micah Hyde was already kind of hanging his, you know, his hat on that hit as the reason why they didn't have a chance to come back and win this game. But I, I, I'm hanging this one on 17, man. Like, yeah. You, you can't. You, you can't do some of the things that he did and expect to win a game. Look, that'll work against the Jets. It'll work against the Bengals. It's not going to work against Tom Brady and, and the New England Patriots. Well, well, the thing of it is, like, that first half was atrocious, and he was terrible all the way through. I think it took him, what was it, seven passes to complete one? Um, just just not, not at all good. But... The fact that they recalibrated, got to halftime, came back out with the with, in the second half after the Bills had just come up with a huge stop on Brady at the doorstep of the goal line with Micah High's interception. Then they go down and get a field goal, and then they're able to get into halftime thirteen to three. Right, so it what it didn't look terrible. So then they come out, 
they get a touchdown drive. It's like, wow. Six for six. Right. 69 yards. Right. Nice. Right. It actually looks like they're able to do something. And, and maybe they've gotten Allen to settle down here. It's 13 to 10. Seems like a whole different ball game. Here we go. We, we might actually have something here. And then he falls right back into the same traps. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the personnel groupings. Um, or maybe the Patriots just felt like with those personnel groupings, they could tee off on him. Uh, honestly, I think one of the keys here to the Patriots doing what they did to Allen whenever he dropped back to pass was the fact that Frank Gore was in the game. Um, Gore was was super as a, as a runner today. There's there's no doubt there. But he's really not any threat to to be thrown to out of the backfield. And... When the Patriots had their most trouble on defense, it's when TJ Yeldon was on the field. And they didn't have Yeldon um, targeted with a pass until the second half. And he wound up with four for 68. That is that is a major key. And, it, and if you looked at the snap breakdowns throughout the game, um, TJ Yeldon outsnapped Frank Gore 29 to 16 in the second half. He was he was on the field. Um, in the fourth quarter for, let's see, 17 to Frank Gore's seven. So when it really mattered, Yeldon was out there because that was the matchup, uh, the matchup discrepancy there, and they finally found it. So maybe it was personnel groupings, but be it as it may, Allen's just got to make better decisions. And even when the defense is coming straight at you, you had it figured out at the beginning of the third quarter, and then you went back to Wyoming Josh again. And that's Wyoming Josh is the most frustrating version of Josh Allen to watch because it it gives you absolutely no optimism that this guy's going to get it. But then there's all these other times throughout throughout the games, and this is this was probably the worst example of Wyoming Josh we've seen since uh since he came back from his injury. But it's just seemed like he it wasn't made, great in the, the last New England game either. Well, he, he made he had some, but he didn't. He made do so much progress yeah. in, in so many different areas, and it just like it was gone in an instant. He also bounced back with a five touchdown game after that last New England True. game. Um, three touchdowns through the air, two on the ground. But yeah, it's probably yeah, it's, it's as bad as we've seen him look probably since Green Bay. Yeah, I think that's. I would say I, that. Tennessee game right after Green Bay was it was bad, too. but not yeah. as bad because they basically they focused on the run. And I think he ran that game. a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, that game. Yeah, that Green Bay game probably. What was he? Ten of nineteen that game in Green in Green Tennessee. Bay or Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. He was ten. You said that almost like you were from Tennessee. Ten of nineteen. Tennessee. 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 Uh, he was ten <laughs> of nineteen for eighty-two yards and a pick, and then had nineteen rushing yards and a touchdown. The game before, he was 16 for 33, 151 yards, two picks, and he fumbled. Yeah. And he did nothing on the ground. So, yeah, he came back after the bye and was a huge threat, or came back after his injury and became all of a sudden, that's when he became a rushing threat. Mm -hmm. And not that he wasn't before, but he didn't have more than 39 yards in a single game and then shows up and gets 99, 135, 101 in consecutive games. The Patriots slowed him down in the first, you know, time he got to face Belichick's defense, and he didn't play very well. But it wasn't today. It wasn't, and that was at Foxborough, and yeah, this was just this was a really bad game from him. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, the hit he took now makes, you know, makes you wonder, is he going to be able to play next week? Um, you know, can this team win with Matt Barkley? Maybe. Uh, I don't know that they would be that much worse off in their first three games. Uh, the way would Matt Barkley have turned the ball over four times in the first half against the Jets? Probably not. Would he have led them back in the fourth quarter? You know, obviously there's so many variables that yeah. go into it. Um, A whole lot uh, fewer rushing yards. I think the point being is That's that the sure. defense is so good that they would have had a chance to win all three of those games anyways. Right. Um, but that's not going to be easy going on the road against the Tennessee team that isn't great, but also isn't a pushover and they can play some defense. They just beat Atlanta on the road today. Yeah. They're not a pushover by any means that they, they're not perfect. They've been nine and seven back-to-back years for a reason. They've got a bit of a quarterback problem, but um, you know, Mike Vrabel said he would cut his junk off for a Super Bowl, and he's going for it. Mm. So he, he means business. And, that defense will be well prepared um, for whoever's under center. So that all of a sudden presents, well, it sets up for a really ugly game down in Nashville. And I know there's a lot of Bills fans going down there because if flight prices were any indication getting down there, but that's going to be one ugly football game Mm -hmm. with two pretty good defenses and two questionable offenses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot will be determined over these next few days as to whether or not we'll actually be able to see Josh Allen in this game. Typically, if a guy doesn't finish a game with a concussion, that's a pretty bad sign. Yeah. However, I mean, take this for what it's worth. They weren't hiding him by any means. He, uh, was, he was bouncing around the locker He room. was in the locker room talking to everybody. Um, and, you know, that a lot of a lot of concussions are like, okay, well, what happens when you come back the next day? And that still has to be determined. But he looked like he was knocked out cold. He, yeah, he but did. he ran to the sideline. He ran to the locker room. Now here's a point I brought up to Tim Graham. More of just a food for thought, not to, you know, I know everybody loves to compare Josh to Jim Kelly and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Think about the eras they played in. I wonder how many times Jim Kelly took a hit like that and came back into the game. Oh. Does not mean that Jim Kelly is tougher than right. Josh Allen. I think Josh would have come back into that game. If not for the concussion protocol, the concussion protocol and all the rules and everything else, he was ready to go back into that game. There was Mm -hmm. a reason he ran off the field to try to get evaluated as quick as possible. And it's just funny, you know, because Jim Kelly talks about, uh, you know, how he would take these huge hits and come back into the game and keep playing and not be awful. You know, what if Josh Allen comes back into that game and leads a fourth quarter comeback and, you know, the narrative of his career all of a sudden shifts, but there's a, those concussion protocols are in place for a reason. Yes. It's more, more so just a thought exercise of, I thought about it because, you know, all the legends were here today. Jim Kelly was, was here as they, um, married that couple at halftime, which was something. Um, but I, I just thought about it like, cause it seemed like Josh Allen wanted to go in the game. Mm-hmm. If it were his ribs or his knee or mm-hmm. any other body part besides mm-hmm. his brain, um, he probably would have gone back in the game. Thankfully, there are protocols in place to prevent a guy like that from yep. going back into the game. I kept waiting for him to just come darting out of that tunnel at some point, and it it never ended up happening. The Bills just kind of left it at being evaluated for uh, for uh, – head injury or concussion i forget how they how they determined it but they you always say head injury you they don't like to use the word concussion. usually you get some sort of indication 
whether it's going to be questionable to return or out to return. We never got that with Josh Allen because I think they were all kind of like hoping <laughs> that that it would turn the, the right way. But it ended up happening where Matt Barkley stayed in the game. And if you blitz Matt Barkley, he's not uh, he doesn't have as much ability to get out away from that and is just kind of more of a sitting duck back there and um you know the bills he he completed a one really nice pass uh to to john brown as soon as he came in the game and it's like oh looked like that robert foster play might have been the same play. look at barkley but then the patriots brought him back down the earth tipped pass flushed him out of the pocket a uh, can of corn interception later on the um on the final drive of the game and the game is over. So the bills don't uh, have the opportunity to, um, to advance themselves to four and oh, even though, and we didn't spend nearly enough time on the defense. So let's briefly do it now. Gosh, they played outstanding today. I mean, Micah Hyde, that interception, I know I touched on it a little bit, but the degree of difficulty on that interception, because Brady was rolling, right? He thought he had Julian Edelman, and he did. Edelman was open. Micah Hyde was fake covering his guy while staring at Brady's eyes. And then, and as soon as he saw Brady's arm go in motion, he came. He uh, he jumped away from his guy, jumped in the throwing lane, and picked the ball off. Like that is he just baited the best quarterback in NFL history into throwing a pick like that. And now Brady is up there in age, and maybe if. This is earlier in his career. He doesn't make that same error. But this is a guy who is mentally with it. He does everything right most times. It, you really have to have to hit him with something, some sort of strong play to to get an interception like that and hide. Especially it. down by the goal line. Oh my yeah. gosh! You know he's extra careful about turning the ball over down there. That I just was... can't get over how good of a play that was by Micah Hyde. Yeah, I mean they really have his number. And that would be a concern for New England if they didn't also have Josh Allen's number. And uh, that's, you know, kind of the the tough part about this. If you're a Bills fan trying to wrap your head around what happened is that you can't play much better against Tom Brady than the Bills did. And yet they came up six points short. Now, you also can't play that much worse on offense than they did, so maybe that's the the silver lining. But mm-hmm. defensively, I mean, man, you look through and really like there weren't too many big plays from the Patriots' offense. They got got it rolling a couple of times. Uh, you know, they had that big connection down the sideline to James White that set up the touchdown. I know Jordan Poyer wasn't pleased about the end around that they let up uh, on the touchdown to Brandon Bolden. He Josh thought, Gordon had a big catch as well. He thought they should have, you know, um, seen that one coming a little right. bit more. But I, I think at that point, and then this is what got brought up. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. You started hearing guys say this, and Micah Hyde brought it up today. And it always sounds off alarm bells in my head is, well, we haven't scored yet as a defense. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I understand that's a goal you should set. Yeah. But when you start saying that, you know you're kind of, I don't want to say, nobody in there was taking shots at the offense, and they easily could have. But that's one of those where it's like, oh, man, we, we got to score. And it's like, no, you actually don't. And mm-hmm. I think you know that. And 
that's one of those things that defense will say when they're playing so well and just looking for things to say they didn't do well. Mm-hmm. And Micah Hyde talking about that interception was upset that he fell down and didn't return it. Like, as you mentioned, outstanding interception. And he was upset that he fell down and didn't yeah. return it. Three big plays they let up, 20-plus uh, yarders. The James White one, the Gordon one. Actually, it was just the two. Because there's a long Sony Michelle run. Sony Michelle for 15 yards on the first play of the game. Yeah, uh, was the next longest play. Mm -hmm. So two big plays. Whereas the Bills' offense had one, two, three, four, five, six plus two 19 yarders. So six big plays. Mm -hmm. And the Bills have been winning that battle more often than not, limiting the other team's big plays and creating big plays on their own. The toxic differential, which I think we talked about at one point, or I've written about it, um, which factors in turnovers and big plays minus turnovers and or giveaways and big plays allowed. And the Bills somehow have been positive in every game. I guess we could calculate it here. What I say? Six to three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were positive again today, I think, unless a block punt counts as a turnover it probably should mm-hmm. since it ended up in a touchdown but right around even um and that's why the game was as tight as it was but that's a huge credit to the defense when you look at stats i feel like big plays is something they really harp on and uh did they ever shut down that offense today micah hyde was outstanding tremaine edmonds was outstanding today matt milano um erased a uh, a big catch by james white and uh, in the fourth quarter, same sort of instance, broke up a pass play in one-on-one coverage. So kudos to him there, and he made a bunch of open field tackles. I thought Levi Wallace was great today. So just a lot of individual standouts that that all kind of added to the fact that this defense played like crazy today. And, and th- this was a- an effort worthy of a victory, and it was taken away from them because their offense couldn't get things together for – more than one drive and that's that's a that's got to be a very disappointing thing for the bills knowing that they were just they were right there but for whatever reason they the the offense just couldn't uh couldn't get things together all right let's uh hand out some awards and the first award is the uh the matt barkley award for the player that uh comes out of nowhere for a good game um i would like to give this to tj yeldon because he was he was persona non grata last week, and this week he was the um, the one that wound up uh, being the weakness to the Patriots' defense, and they started to use him a bit more as as the game went along. Too little, too late. But Yeldon, pleasant surprise today. So uh, I think that paves the way for let's see, Dree Archer, Dree Archer, the the player that didn't show up at all. I feel like I'm ready to give this one to Zay Jones. Mm. Um, and here's the thing with Zay Jones, and I think we've been more than fair to him and uh, what he contributes in run blocking and, uh, you know, he's a decent route runner and whatever else. I, I'm about I'm about done with, um, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt at this point. I mean, he does not... He has hardly ever made a play that I can think of off the top of my head that he shouldn't have made. 
you know, like a, a, anything other than routine. And he hardly ever comes up with those plays. It always seems like, you know, there was that interception where it bounced off his hands in the end zone or the, or the interception down on the sidelines where he didn't really fight for the ball. Um, that interception in the end zone ended up not being an interception, but the ball bounced off his hands. And, and what it seems like every time that happens to Zay Jones, there's a, well, you know, mm-hmm. the throw was a little high or the throw was a little low or the throw, throw wasn't quite right. Or, Oh, that was good coverage. It's like, well, this guy was a second round pick and he does not make hardly any of those plays. And, he wasn't playing very good defense on some of these 50-50 balls Josh Allen was throwing up. And yeah, Josh Allen probably shouldn't throw them up. Uh, but guess what? Zay Jones knows who his quarterback is. He knows that those happen, and he knows it'll be important to play defense. Yeah, he's a decent blocker. Yeah, he can run decent routes, but I can find you a couple hundred receivers who I could say the same thing about. So you got to make plays. I, I mean, look. People will people hate when you play the game of oh they could have had Juju Smith Schuster or Alvin Kamara or Kareem Hunt. Well, they could have had all three of those guys. They and I know what happened with Kareem Hunt happened, but okay, just Alvin Kamara and Juju Smith Schuster mm-hmm. and probably dozens of other guys. That's just it's a second round pick that needs to be held to a higher standard. Two catches, four yards, and there's an argument to be made. Look, I think. We've talked about for a while, right, that going back to the summer with Duke Williams, you know, trying to pump the brakes on him a little bit and things like that. And he probably gets a little more love than a practice squad player should get. But I'll say this. He would play defense on a 50-50 ball. Yeah. And he would block just as well as Zay Jones blocked. Uh, We at least know that about Duke Williams. And could he be much worse? at the tough plays, the 50-50 plays? Probably not. So, I don't know. I think it's... There's probably a lack of separation with yeah, Duke Williams that sure, needs to be included in this as well. Zay Jones seems to need 10 yards of separation to make a catch. So, I don't know. I just think it's... Fair. I, I just don't think he's... It's been too long now. He's in his third season. I do he's, have a stat to back you up here. He's too old. He's too experienced and, and too long of tooth now to be making playing the what the way that he does i don't know too I, long of tooth i'm just the, the slap quotient is through the roof slap. <laughs> and he really needs to bring down the slap quotient in a hurry otherwise i just i don't you got to put somebody else on the field I, yeah. I don't know i don't know you can't cut the guy i suppose you could but yeah. like good luck trading him I, I don't know who would take him uh but and look, he's a good guy, nice guy, hard worker, all the platitudes, but yeah, man, makes him makes him damn play. Well, here uh, here is a stat to back you up. He has played in thirty five career games. Um, I'm sorry, thirty six career games. He has been a one hundred yard receiver in none of them, and has only eclipsed more than seventy five yards. Twice, 34 out of 36 games, he has fallen under 75 yards. Under 70 yards, if you really want to take it one step further. He's, he's gotten 93 yards twice, and that was in 2018. 
Which uh, games were those? That was anymore? the Jets 41 to 10, the Barkley game. So without the quarterback who and is, is and Miami bad. the final week of the season. So yeah, two games that didn't matter. Guess what? This one did. Mm-hmm. It's a big game. You learn about guys in big games and, you know, he didn't have it. Oh, Curtis Samuel was drafted a couple picks after him by the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Man, you could really frustrate yourself uh, if you go down this list. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good players. Mm-hmm. Guys that have already made Pro Bowls. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, not great. Um, but yeah, good uh, good Dre Archer. <laughs> As for the uh, the Vontae Davis Award, I find this one increasingly harder to... I've got one. Uh, if you um, want me to step up. I mean... Frank Gore is there for the second half, but I mean, they didn't really utilize him all that much. Yeah, it's tough to give Frank Gore a. Yeah, after a 100 yard day. Uh, Yeah, go for it. I'll pick you up here, teammate. I'm going to give the Vontae Davis Award, and I got to give an assist here to Tim Graham because he he suggests this, and I I like it. Uh, The dildo throwers. Because one thing that's usually when the dildos get thrown. Yeah, in the second true. half when things are getting out of hand and and people are frustrated. The team says none were thrown on the field today. If you saw one thrown, you know, please let us know. But uh, they they were nowhere to be found, which is probably a good thing. But still, they were uh, they were the Vontae. They, maybe they all left. Or it was such a good game that they didn't want to get thrown out. Yeah, that that's usually because that was part of Tim's article, too, where I, I think the guy who originally did it was like, well, they're out of it now. What now's the time? Yeah, um, it's like, well, let's wait a couple more series because they're still in the game. And then they throw it. Right. But maybe that tradition is over. Yeah, perhaps you're on a roll here. So why don't you just hit me with your come on, Darlene, as well? Yes, I also have this one teed up well i have a couple but i'm gonna go i'm gonna give it to Dion dawkins um and so Dion dawkins during the week he 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 stepped in it a little bit uh he was quoted he was asked about you know the defense and everything else and for the most part all week guys were pretty tame they just praised the Patriots, and then backed off. But Dion said, once they play us, and if it doesn't change, then that's when you could start talking. You guys have seen Josh, our coaches, really all of us. We're just on a different mission. We have something going, and I don't really care who it is that we're playing. On the surface, I thought, meh, I get it. He's saying, you know, Mm -hmm. he was basically saying, hey, they haven't played us. So, like, we don't really care what they've done in the first three games because they still have to play us on Sunday. And that has nothing to do with that. But you got to be a little bit more careful because after the game, somewhat unprompted, uh, Kyle Van Noy of the Patriots started uh, his first answer was just wanted to make sure Dawkins knew who we were. <laughs> and. Devin McCourty said something to the effect of, yeah, we all heard that. And now we've played him. And and he was like, yeah, we used it as fuel, as bulletin board material. Patriots are somewhat famous for that. Mm-hmm. And 
you gave them a little bit of it. I don't know that they needed it. I don't think that that made necessarily a difference, but even if it made the smallest amount of difference, I don't know. And yeah. Deion Dawkins, as uh, you you were saying in the locker room, you talked to him, wasn't all that, uh, wasn't asked directly about giving them bulletin board material, but wasn't necessarily any less brazen. No, I mean, he, he basically said it should have been a win. And... I think he's right, but it's still pretty bold to say after after you just took an L as as he as he said it. So that part of it was, you know, I respected him for for having that sort of, I guess, belief in his team. But the same point, their quarterback was just out there costing them the game, and so it's just, yeah, it he you're right. He did he did step in it a little bit. That's that's that is on Dion. The one point. He did make, which lead well, this is not my come on, Darlene. I wanted to bring this up before uh my actual come on, Darlene award. Um the offsetting penalty between the unsportsmanlike conduct and the holding penalty. I don't really know that that, that makes sense. Like, because if one is a personal foul call and it, it goes beyond the realm of a of a normal penalty. I feel like it should be taken, and this is not just based on the situation because it didn't end up costing the Bills because they ended up converting on the third down right after it. But the fact that the Patriots got no ramifications for it whatsoever, I don't know, that doesn't, that doesn't, it's not logical. Like, it, if one is a, if one of those penalties is deemed like a, a second level penalty and the other penalty is deemed a first level penalty, then why is the first level penalty equal to the second penalty in, in how they assess it to the game? So that's, that's just a, another there point. probably is some, um, I don't know. Yeah. Because like it one is 15 like yards it. and one is 10. So maybe there should be like, hey, yeah, at the very least five yards. right? Or, or that, just that, say, or just or say a first down. Yes. The first down like would be, would, um, would cancel everything out just like that. Rules are rules, and it doesn't mean they're stupid. It right. doesn't mean they're not stupid. So. Um, and I will say this, and I considered, uh, you know, we didn't touch much on the hit, so I, guess, I suppose we should. And I considered making this my come on, Darlene, but Deion Dawkins one-upped it. I think people complaining about the hit and the referees, and I'll even say. Micah Hyde and the people saying that if it were Tom Brady, it would have been different. Man, Tom Brady wouldn't be running on the field, in the middle of the field like a running back. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen was stopped seven yards past the sticks on a third and eight. Mm -hmm. He had one yard to go for a first down and was fighting for it. Mm -hmm. Now, that guy did collide with him helmet to helmet. I don't think he launched himself with his helmet. And... Josh is a six foot five behemoth of a quarterback who's not easy to bring down. It's a bang bang play. I'm not really buying this need for this guy to necessarily be ejected or, in some people in my mentions, thrown out of the league. Or I didn't know, get that one. Like this, and nobody, you know, of course, after the game, he says, you know, I didn't mean to hurt anybody. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, nobody believes you. Uh, like, if Josh Allen gets hit like that in the pocket, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. It's a penalty. 
but he wasn't in the pocket. He was out running around and he's taken a ton of huge hits. And that's what you risk when you run around like that and fight for extra yards. And it's part of what makes him a weapon, but I just don't think you can. And I don't really, I don't really like how the bills were kind of using, leaning on that, you know, like Sean McDermott was saying he thought he should have been ejected. And that's probably just a, you know, it's an emotional reaction is what it is. Emotional reaction uh, and a way to, you know, fire up his team. Maybe that's a way that they motivate themselves is this us against the world or whatever. I don't know. I I just didn't think what you're saying on the, the offsetting penalties. I can I can buy some of that. Like maybe that's something they could adjust. Yeah. Uh, in the offseason. I, I, I mean, I'm, most of most of that is just firmly based on logic but but right. yeah this other part is all speculative that's where i don't know to me it's that's a, a 50 50 play i don't know i i don't there were it just goes to show the the psychology of fandom is i was talking to phil perry from uh nbc sports boston um and he was saying you know we were talking about the hit and mike giardi from nfl network was there and it was you know kind of saying what I'm saying now like I'm not sure it was as dirty as people thought and they both were somewhat on the same page but said you know they had a ton of people you know them being Patriots reporters a ton of Patriots fans saying angry about you know people being up up in arms because he was a runner Mm -hmm. Um, he was not a defenseless player like a receiver would be uh, or a quarterback and yet I had tons of people I saw angry that the guy wasn't thrown out of the game. I think so, the best way to look at it is if you were the fan, if you were the fan of the other team, how would you look at at that instance immediately? And then the answer between those two answers is in the middle. Right. <laughs> exactly. That, that's exactly how it, it goes where, almost every time. I guess that's the problem I have, and it's probably because my Twitter mentions are a mess with Patriots and Bills fans arguing over that hit, but. I don't know. I didn't think it was. I mean, I don't know what meets the standard of ejectable offense, but I just I personally didn't think it was an ejectable hit. Well, um, now to get to my real come on, Darlene, Uh, my award will go actually to you, Matthew Fairburn. And there is a very good reason for it. I feel like I've gotten too many of these. No, th- this one, this one is worthy, and you're gonna know as soon as as soon as I say it. The University at Buffalo played a game on Saturday against the Miami Ohio Redhawks. The quarterback of the Miami Ohio Redhawks is none other than Blaine Gabbert's little brother, Brett Gabbert, and I is feel like right? you have. Brought on a disservice to the listeners of the Buffalo Beat for not disclosing that Blaine Gabbert's little brother Brett was was about to play a Buffalo team. I didn't even know that. I knew he had another little brother named Tyler, who was a train wreck at well, Mizzou. Well, there's Brett Gabbert right there for you. Yeah, that must, he didn't go to the same high school. That must be him, though, right? Oh, uh, yep. Chuck, son of Chuck really, and Beverly. He doesn't really look like Blaine. Does it say he's brother of Blaine? Mm-hmm. 
Yep, Brett Gabbert, the younger brother of uh, former Missouri quarterback Blaine Gabbert. Well, look at that. Mm -hmm. And Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Well, I earned it. He doesn't really look like Blaine Gabbert. He did not get... uh, I also look nothing like my brother, so... He did not get that, but he's also not 6'5". He's not... Yeah, uh, he's six feet. Well, now I'm disappointed in myself for not going to watch him in person. Yep. There you go. Well, it was uh, at uh, the home of the Red Hawks. It wasn't in Buffalo. Man, it's not a far drive. <laughs> I'm still disappointed in myself. <laughs> yes, you're you're thinking of Tyler Gabbert, who... Uh, uh, he was at Mizzou for a little while. And then went to UCF. And things did not go well no. for him. But Brett Gabbert at Miami, Ohio. He's got a, lot, he's got a bright future. And He's got a lot ahead of him. And did you know, Miami, Ohio does not like being called Miami of Ohio. It's just Miami. Blake Gabbard also got Ohio. hurt or something. Got put on IR because I got a million tweets. Yeah, yeah. I always know anything over. that happens with Blaine Gabbard because I get a bunch of tweets. Anyway. Okay. So the Bills are 3-1. and one. They have one more game before their bye week. It's a road game. At the Tennessee Titans, who are now 2-2 two and two on the season. We don't know what's going on with Josh Allen just yet, if he will be available for them in that game. But I'm sure uh, we will get constant updates from the Bills as the, as the week goes on. And by constant, I mean none at all. Uh, because that's just how concussion protocol goes. That's the way the game is played. All right. So uh, that will do it from our perspective. We will next speak with you... In the middle of the week for the subscriber-only pod. Um, If you haven't yet, please do us a favor and rate and subscribe um, our podcast wherever you listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. And if you want to listen to our subscriber-only pod on the Athletic Podcast Network, you can listen to it right on our app there. Um, Make sure to subscribe to, uh, to The Athletic so that way you have access to all three of our pods per week. But uh, nonetheless, we will talk to you in, oh, in the middle of the week. We won't because we've, we're about to come on Darlene ourselves here. Uh-oh. Why? We forgot that we have a special shout-out. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I forgot. Yes. Um, wow. Great memory in the, in, Great the, in the final hour. Yes. A, uh, I hope he's listening to the end. Yeah. A, uh, a very special Happy birthday to one of our younger listeners who puts up with Probably all of our... Probably the youngest. Yeah, puts up with all of our shenanigans, Callan Cook. Yeah, they, uh, they invited us over to the tailgate. We couldn't quite make it over there today, but we wanted to make sure to say uh, to say happy birthday on the pod. As long as he's not still plugging his ears after we talked about the uh, not safe for work topic. Oh, yes, that's um, right. In the Vontae Davis Award. Then well, the, hopefully he's still listening. Well, the fast forward 15 seconds button is there for a reason. Yeah, it might have been a 30 second diatribe. I'm yeah. not sure. But <laughs> so we might need to hit it a few times. So anyway, happy birthday to, to Callan Cook. All right. Now that we have everything, uh, everything for the show done, uh, thank you all for listening to this episode. We will talk to you during the week. See you then.